education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. That is a quote by Malcolm X. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is episode 103. The topic of this week's episode is preparing your child for college. My guest this week is Dr. Jen Price. Dr. Price is the founder of Uvise Me. For over 20 years, she has offered strategic advice to high school, early career adults, and their families in the college and career selection process. She has visited over 200 colleges nationwide and helped students collectively win over $15 million in scholarships to date. Hi, Dr. Jen. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you, Trina. I'm so glad that you are hosting me today. You know, I am glad to have you and I'm very curious because I am one of the people who has a teenager that soon will be going off to college and that's something that you do as far as helping um, people, your high schoolers and parents and early people starting their, their careers, you help them. So why don't you give me a background on who you are and how you come to the place where you are today? Sure. A quick kind of highlight or overview as to who I am is I am an educator and a counselor with over 20 years of experience. I've worked in a variety of educational settings, ranging from a charter high school to a traditional uh, public school, private high school. Um, as a college counselor, I've worked with homeschool students. I have a private practice, and I'm licensed in social work I'm with the state of Texas. And I've helped students and families navigate uh, the very confusing waters of the college admissions process, and I visited over 200 colleges and universities, and the students and the families that I've served have been able to win over $15 million in scholarships. That's kind of me in a nutshell. I love what I do. It's, it's, a, it's a very rewarding career field, and, and on LinkedIn, as my students find me all these years later, it really makes me feel old because I've been doing this for a while, but it's a lot of fun. And, and it's definitely something that's needed. It and, definitely is. Yes. In terms of how I've come to, how did I come to this career? I feel like my career selected me. Uh, I am a first generation college student and, and there were a lot of things that I had to figure out on my own. I knew from my upbringing that college was what was next after high school. However, we really never talked about how we would pay for college. And so I knew that I needed to get after it and figure out a plan. And so I feel like from as young as seventh grade, I was doing some of the stuff that 
I would end up doing in my career. Uh, in seventh grade, I started looking for scholarships because I wanted to go on a full ride and, and someone made the mistake of telling me it wasn't possible. And I knew that wasn't true because that's not what I was taught growing up. I, I was taught I could do anything I put my mind to. And so I started looking for scholarships, writing foundations, asking my dad for a stamp every week and writing those foundations and looking at the applications, studying the applications, determining what I needed to do and to become in high school so that I would be someone worthy of a scholarship. And ultimately those same things helped me get into school. And I've been able to streamline the process, fast forward, streamline the admissions process for students and their families. So they don't have to worry about what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And, and it's less stressful. They're able to enjoy their last year at home and they're able to go to school oftentimes at an immense discount. Okay. So we are going to have a good conversation here. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you at in Texas? I'm in Austin. Okay. Cause I'm in Houston. I don't know if you knew that or not, but yes, we're, we're going to become friends here. (laughs) Hey, that sounds great. So we have some similarities there because I was a first generation college um, student person to go to college in my family as well. The -hmm. first person. And I did everything on my own. My mother had no clue on what to do and just emotionally, mentally, financially, she just not was not there. So I did all this, all these things on my own to get into college. And looking back now, I don't know how I knew to do what I did. And there still was a lot that I didn't do. But now I have a daughter who's a sophomore in high school. And now I'm thinking, okay, is this the time that I need to start doing all of these things? And what do I need to do? And how do I need to do it? So for me, and all the other parents out there, Give us the the steps on what we need to be doing right now. Yes. And, and so one of the things that I want to applaud you on is, is thinking ahead and realizing that what you don't want to do is wait until your child is a senior in high school and then start trying to figure out the process. The current climate in terms of the admissions process is a lot different than back in the day when we went to school when maybe an application was one page front and back. Um, It's a lot more competitive nowadays and students have help. They have support to be competitive. What I mean by that is they are enrolling in test prep programs to get higher ACT and SAT scores. They have someone helping them identify the best fit colleges. They have someone helping them with their essays. And so when a family kind of goes into this process blind and without support, they are truly at a disadvantage in the admissions process. And so one of the best strategies that I can share with families uh, is to start early. And what I mean by starting early, to be more specific, I would say things like having conversations with your student about what they're thinking about studying when they go to college. And I know that's a huge question, and I don't necessarily expect them to have a plan and know what they want to do for the rest of their life right now when they're in ninth or 10th grade, but to really kind of try to hone in on a neighborhood as I like to use the analogy of a neighborhood, you know, what kind of neighborhood do you think um, you want to be in, in terms of a career? And we may not know which house in the neighborhood or on in which block in that neighborhood, but an idea, are they interested in the sciences? Are they interested in art? Are they interested in the liberal arts? And so having an idea, because that can shape 
what kind of school that they may uh, want to focus on. And, and I know with the pandemic right now, you really can't get out and visit the campuses, but there are, are ways to visit campuses online virtually. There are college fairs that are online just to kind of give them a sense of what's out there. But I do feel like it is important to kind of do the research before they fall in love with the school, but uh, make that research based on what's important to the student. But another practical way would be for them, of course, is to, to earn the highest grades they can when they're in school, to take it seriously. Coming out of the gate as a freshman, a lot of students, you know, they have missteps. They, you know, they struggle and, and they don't get help fast enough. And so they have to try to, for the rest of their high school career, bring up that GPA from ninth grade. And, and that's not necessary if they really start the process early and know that they need to work hard out of the gate. And the third thing I would say would be for them to really think about how they want to be involved. Sometimes students are late to get involved in clubs and activities and, and really want to kind of look ahead in terms of, okay, first year I'll, I'll maybe just be a member of the organization and and by the time I'm a sophomore, maybe I'll be a secretary or treasurer. And by junior, senior year, maybe I want a, a higher leadership role and more responsibility in the organization. And, and that includes community service as well. So really, so the things that I would say is start kind of exploring colleges. I would say uh, start, start right out of the gate, working really hard in terms of academics, and then also being involved but being involved in things that make sense for the student. That makes sense. So my daughter is an artist. She draws, she paints, she does photography, and that's what she wants to do in life. She's like, I just want to do something with my art. Mm -hmm. So 2020 would have it is this year I had planned and booked a trip for us to go to Europe because I wanted to take her to see Italy and all these places and tell her that she could go to school overseas to pursue her art. Cause I thought, wow, how great would this be to go to Italy and study? But of course, mm-hmm. as the pandemic had it, we could not go. Um, so now I'm at the place where, okay, we don't know what next year holds. So, you know, that's still up in the air, but right now I'm thinking, okay, do I, I know what she wants to do. She knows what she wants to do. And here in, in Houston, we have some great universities as well, but I wanted to broaden her horizons. And I still don't know whether she wants to stay home or go, but I've been thinking about the SAT and ACT preps, but I'm thinking, oh my goodness, do I stress her out now and start telling her she needs to do this or what to do? I mean, she's a straight A student. So mm-hmm. what what do you do in that situation? Well, to answer the the, the uh, probably the easiest and first question about test prep, uh, because of the pandemic, there have been a lot of challenges related to standardized testing with SAT, ACT, and so fortunately, I, don't, I, I say the word fortunately, but fortunately, a lot of schools are starting to be test optional. And, and in some cases, um, there's some lobbying for more colleges to adopt that philosophy. And what I mean by that is not require a test, standardized test score for admissions. Now, I will say what's tricky about that is it may just be temporary uh, because I know that some colleges award scholarships based on test scores in addition to other factors. 
And so part of it is right now, in terms of test prep, really the people who are seeing the students that are seniors are the ones, you know, trying to undergo some test prep in the event that they need test scores for where they choose to apply. And then you don't really want your student prepping way too early before they test because it just kind of draws out the process and is very painful and stressful for them. Is this lingering stress of, oh, I'm prepping for the SAT, but I'm not taking it for another year. And so you want it a little bit closer to when they are, 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 are planning to test. And something that's unique about your daughter, because she's looking at the arts, uh, the visual arts, and even in some cases for parents who have students interested in the performing arts, standardized test scores are not necessarily a big part of the admissions process. Really the talent is what they're looking at, you know, their art portfolio or if they audition um, to gain interest to a program. Now that being said, if she's not looking at, if she or other students that are visual or performing arts majors or aspiring to be those kind of majors, um, if they're trying to go into those areas, they might also look at some state schools or or some universities that are not necessarily narrow and focused on just their craft. And at those institutions that have a variety of majors, they actually may need a test score. Okay. So what you're saying is somewhere other than like the art Institute, let's say she wanted to go to university of Texas, they probably would require a ACT or AC um, SAT score. They may potentially by the time that she is looking at enrolling because she's a sophomore right now. Mm-hmm. And so really these next two years, I mean, are, are, I mean, it has, we had, there was some impact for this graduating class because of COVID, but then honestly for the next two years, um, th- there'll be some shakeout in terms of what, how it impacts the admissions process. And so there is a chance that she will need one if she's not focusing her search on on schools that are art and design schools. Okay. Okay. So, and then I'm looking, so the application process, so again, uh, you know, I went to college in 1989 and it was, okay, apply for this school, apply for that school. So it was all these different applications. I heard there was something like there's one central application you can apply to, to go to different universities. Is that just the HBCU? Because I went to HBCU or is that something that's universal? I'm just so out of touch with it. And now I'm thinking, okay, I need to get back into the game and, and start educating myself on this process. Great question, Trina. There are a number of applications that are, I guess, what you would call, um, I wouldn't say comprehensive, but you can use them for multiple institutions. Like in the state of Texas, we have something called Applied Texas. And you can use that application to submit to the state schools in Texas, along with many of the private schools. Then there's something called the common application, the coalition application. And then in other states, they have their own version of an applied Texas or common application where you can apply to multiple institutions to help with uh, lessening the stress of applying for college. The main application is the same. And in some cases, they even share the same essay. And then some schools might require an additional supplement or short answer response. But it's, it's, it's great in terms of helping to save time. But I will say the way it kind of backfires is that students then become interested in applying to 
way too many schools. <laughs> and when I say way too many, I mean, back in the day, you know, you might apply to maybe one to three schools, but now students, it's not uncommon them to apply to maybe four, five, six schools. But then some families have reported or, or some families that I've worked with, they've tried to, their student have tried, their student is, has been interested in applying for more than 10 colleges. And in one case, I was on a tour and a student told me she applied to 20 Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's insane. And let me just say that's that's not okay because that will really stress the student out. Even if they're using the same application, chances are there are other supplemental essays that they have to respond to. And then the expense can rack up easily because they're sending multiple test scores. They the high school may charge for the transcript. Um, and, and then of course you might be doing a college visit, then there are application fees. And so something that parents don't oftentimes prepare for is how costly it can be to actually help your student apply. And then there are the deposits. So it can really add up quickly. And so really what I encourage students to do is to really focus their their applications on schools that make sense for them and do the research on the front end because what ends up happening is when they cast a really wide net and they're applying to eight or nine schools, and they don't really research them or, or really know what, what it is that's appealing about those schools. When they get in, if they get into many of those schools, then they're faced with the decision still of where do I want to go when really you wanted to know why the school was on the list to begin with and not just wait until after you get a yes and then try to sort it out because then you might find out maybe your major's not there. Maybe it's not a financially viable option. You really want to do some front end research before you even apply. So what's, excuse me, what's the sweet spot as far as the number of universities? I mean, the ones that you really want to go to, how many would you suggest that a student apply to? Like you said, applying to 20, I think that's crazy too, because (laughs) that's, that's just from, for one, for a parent, I'm thinking, okay, do I have money for 20 universities and all this stuff too? But then again, like you say, when you're getting accepted and then you're wondering, okay, well, why was this on the list? And maybe that was the only one that you get to, then you're stuck. Okay, well, I'll go to this one. So of the ones that the student is really saying, okay, this is really where I want to go. How many should they hone that down to? I think a reasonable list has, it has about five colleges on it. And it has a combination of safer options or schools that they feel like they or know they would be highly likely to be admitted to based on their academic profile and what they have to offer the school in terms of the GPA, the test scores, or extracurricular and service record. And then one or two that may be, you know, a little bit more competitive. They're looking for a student like them, but they're not guaranteed to get in, but, but probably will get in. And then if they have some fantasy schools that are just out of reach, maybe it's really challenging. Maybe they have a very low acceptance rate, but they feel like it's a good fit. It's almost like they're wild cards in some cases. They might get in, you know, it could be a long shot, but it's definitely still worth an option. And so, and, and among those three different categories, I also try to ask the family to consider schools that are a financial fit, because sometimes I feel like that, that's not examined until after the student is get after the student is admitted. And so my, what I, my strategy that I, that I encourage families to follow is to look for financial fits going into the admissions process. And what I mean by that is schools that have awarding policies that are um, 
in alignment with, with what's important with your family. And let me give you an example. Sometimes families, um, maybe they, they are, their child will be a first-generation student. Uh, maybe they will qualify for a fair amount of financial aid, need-based aid, meaning money that doesn't have to be paid back. And so they could apply to some schools where they only give need-based aid. And so if the student gets into that university, and there's been a lot of exposure regarding some of those Ivy League schools or really selective schools, that if you get in, it's paid for mm. because of the need. But if you already know that your family is more middle class um, and, and so they're not going to necessarily qualify for 100% need or maybe even partial need, that expensive Ivy League school still could be potentially affordable because there is some need. Or it may look like you, your student focusing on state schools because those are in general more affordable, and then focusing on state schools that offer merit-based aid. And it could be even an out-of-state of an out-of-state university that offers merit-based money based on GPA and class rank or test scores and extracurricular service record. And it could be less. And I and I have clients who have gone to schools out of state for less than staying in state. I've had students go to private schools for the cost of a public school. And so I've had some families send their child to a private school and they're only paying for housing. Wow. And so there are a lot of different strategies that, 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 that families can employ uh, if they kind of look at their situation on the front end and then make their college list accordingly. And so this is before the student falls in love <laughs> with a school because maybe their parents went there or their best friend is considering going there. We're talking about figuring out what they need what they, and what they want. And the beauty of, you know, having visited over 200 colleges and universities across the country and some outside of the country, you know, there are equivalents, you know, and I'm, I'm in Texas. And so I think, oh, okay, well, if a student wants to go to a school in Florida that's similar to Baylor, oh, they can look at this school. Oh, if they want something similar to a flagship rah-rah university this large, they could look at this one in this state. And so that's the beauty of college. There, there are similarities across the country in terms of attributes. And so that's why it's helpful to have someone to work with because sometimes the guidance counselors, and, and I've been, and I've worked on a campus before. And so I know they're doing the best that they can. But really, when you have 500 students on your caseload, it's really hard to sit down and have those conversations that really go deep with a student. And then you might not even be able to get out of the office to visit colleges. And if you do, they're limited on only those that are regional. Mm, so true. So how do you go about working with these students and parents? Do they find you? or I mean, how, how does your your um, process work? Sure. I will say that I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I've done this for quite a while. And so uh, families find me through word of mouth. Generally, I do have more of a social media presence now because my heart has been to, is to help more and more students and families. When I was in a school setting, you know, I felt like my hands were a little bit tied because I couldn't get out and do as many college visits. I had other administrative duties um, on my plate, and I really couldn't necessarily focus on just the college advising piece. And in my private practice, it, it looks a little bit different because you only can work with one student at a time. 
And so really my heart was to help as many students as families as I can. I still carry a, a limited load of, of, of individual um, private clients, but also I created recently, and then actually the timing worked out great with COVID. I released an online college advising course called College Edge. And College Edge basically replicates the process that I use with my private pay clients that they pay thousands of dollars for. And so I have videos that families can watch together. And there is a 45-page resource guide that you can go through and complete the activities. And these activities are things that you will need, information you'll need to know, and, and even information that you can use to fill out applications when it when that time comes. And so a lot of those strategies and um, those advantages um, that, that my private pay clients enjoy from working with me one-on-one, you know, for the, over the last 20 years can be found in my College Edge online advising course. And that's at mycollegeedge.com. And so that's kind of a new way of helping students and families. And I also have a book that I just started pre-selling yesterday <laughs> called, called um, Generation Edge your GPS to career success. And it shares a little bit about my story and kind of how I got to where I am today, but also in that book are main lessons that I learned. And then in addition to those lessons, I include activities based on those lessons to help the students start planning for their future so that they can go to school and have a plan and graduate in, you know, closer to four years as opposed to taking the five or six year route. And, and, and transferring universities and, and really not going in with a plan. And so it really helps, uh, helps them enter um, their life, their professional life, um, in a more timely way and, and where it makes sense for them. Hmm. So when do you advise parents to contact you for you to start working with them? When, when is a good time so that the student has time and you have time? Well, I will say I have had parents talk to me as early as fifth grade, and that's a little too early. (laughs) Overachievers, huh? (laughs) It's a little too early. I mean, it was was warranted in the sense that they were trying to determine if they need to sell their home and and move into a certain school district or if if private school was the best option. So that was kind of a unique situation. But but generally speaking, I would say kind of a touching base, Um, you know, seventh grade, just that one time especially if the student is kind of more STEM mm-hmm. uh, geared because, you know, you can start taking algebra one as early as eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And that's important if your son or daughter is trying to major in engineering and they want to be able to take calculus by the time they're a senior in high school. And so that would be advantageous or if they are in marching band and they'll, that'll take up a lot of, of their elective spaces and they may not have as much time to explore um, different electives. And so just a touching base, maybe one session when they're in seventh grade. And then from there determine, do they need to touch base again in eighth grade? But generally speaking, I would say right before they head into ninth grade, you know, they might need a little talking to just to remind them how important it is to start off strong academically. Mm-hmm. But then in terms of really starting to build that resume, I would say the second half of ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then as they get further along, 
you know, they might want, they might want more sessions and start following more of the structured plan. And the online advising course, actually, it began, it's, it's also, it's available for students as young as seventh grade. So they can start looking at this information in seventh grade and the online advising course, if they're not able to come in and be a private paid client working one-on-one. So they can preview and start working through that information um, when they are younger and they have unlimited, they, they have access to that doesn't go away once they make that investment. Hmm. Uh, and so some of the tiers of the product, there's like a, there's a standard package and there's a gold and a platinum and the gold and the platinum, they build in sessions at a reduced hourly rate. So for families that feel like, Oh, we're going to want to, we have a seventh grader. We want to go in and have those annual checkups with Dr. Price. Let's go ahead and do the platinum option. So we can go ahead and work through the course, but then go talk to her as well. Mm-hmm. That would be a great option. Okay. So you have the packages and I would assume whenever we get over this pandemic, you'll see people, but until then you're doing what zoom for people. Uh, I do. I do have an office and I've had an office for quite a bit of time, but I find that it's really convenient for students and families to meet virtually mm-hmm. um, just because students are so involved in extracurricular, extracurricular activities and, and parents are shuttling their kid all across mm-hmm. town. You know, so then I, I will stay with the virtual model um, and, and, and I'll figure out what I'm going to do with my office <laughs> that I've had for quite a bit of time. But I find that it's just really convenient. Parents could be at their office and their child could be at home and they can all, you know, come together in a meeting if they need to. It's just so much more convenient. Now, I know that with the pandemic here, people are kind of zoomed out. Yes. (laughs) And so so I have had students drive in from out of town to meet with me from as far away as maybe they were, one was like like a student that went to Texas Tech. I had a student that I worked with who was in, he was in Spain actually. And so of course he needed to work with me um, remotely using technology, but I've, I have had students drive in are there when they're home for the, like the college students, mm-hmm. when they're home for holiday break, um, they come in to see me. Mm. And so, yeah, so I have some flexibility around that right now, but I am leaning more towards just the virtual model just because families uh, are, are finding that it's really convenient. Yes. Yes. Virtual will be good for me. <laughs> So a question is for me, so you mentioned community service and working. So like my daughter, she'll be going into 10th grade um, and she's, she's, like I said, a total nerd. She's total art and that's it. You know, if, if you see her portfolio, you wouldn't believe she, she's drawn the things she has. So should she start getting active in community services or what, what would help her? Does it matter since she's going into that, that physical art space? Yes, it does. Because what you you mean, even though, you know, she's definitely an artist and she's heading that direction. What you may not know is if she's planning, if she might end up at a, at an institution that has other majors, Mm -hmm. they may have a really amazing art program and then other majors. And if it's that type of school, if it's not an art and design school, then, you know, she may need the test scores and the GPA and also the community service and the clubs and activities. Now, she can continue doing other things that may be related to that space. Uh, I know it's a little bit challenging now with COVID. You have to really be a lot more creative in terms of community service. I, I have seen students 
um, out at parks with their um, masks on picking up trash. I mean, that's not necessarily related to art, but, you know, just really think, really sitting down and thinking about, okay, well, what are some things that you would do pre-COVID and is there a way to adapt it um, to do it nowadays? Because some things can be done virtually. Some students that are artistic, they might start learning a little bit about graphic design. Uh, some might start doing some work for nonprofits mm-hmm. um, and just volunteer and say, hey, I'll do your website for you. Or, or, or they might even try to do some actual paid gigs. And, and I've seen students start their, own, start their own businesses while they're in high school and do quite well related to ability or skill that they have. I had, I had a young man who had a lawn care business from junior high all the way through high school. And when he finished high school, he sold the portion of his business to his his friend to continue the business. So these are things that students in high school or, you know, like one of my students, she's, she's an adult now and she's finished college and she started selling gift boxes, you know, kind of like, kind of like a, a self-care gift box idea. So there's all kinds of things that you can do. And it sounds like she's already creative. Mm-hmm. And so she can even create her own business related to, to arts in some way. And, and then that would be an extracurricular activity. Hmm. Yes, we're going to be talking this weekend about that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the part where all, all of us parents are wondering the money, the, the scholarships. How do you go about finding all of these things? That's what I do. <laughs> so you That's have my superpower. That's you my have superpower. that superpower. Good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, seriously, but seriously, though, that there, there, I mean, I, I did it for myself. I mean, I wanted to go to school on a full scholarship. And so I, I've had a lot of practice and, and I was able to go and earn my bachelor's and my master's degrees, both on full scholarships, full ride scholarships. And then also when I went to for my Ph.D., the strategy changed a little bit because I took a really long gap of time and I kind of did a work and pay for the courses. I did win a scholarship or two here and there. Um, and so, and I did have some help actually um, at one point. And so that was a little bit different, but with my, with my students that I've, and families that I've worked with over the years, there's just a lot of different options depending on what the student has to offer. Like I'll have a student come to me and they hardly are involved in clubs and activities, but they work at the church all the time. They volunteer at the church. They serve at the church whether it's with the children, with the sound, with VBS, vacation Bible school, whatever it is. And so there are some scholarships that are a little bit more geared towards service. Mm -hmm. And then others, they have that great GPA um, and test scores, or maybe just the high GPA. So they might go for more of the academic awards. Really, it's about taking, it's about assessing what a student's strengths are. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I plan to create as well, an app um, that will help a family determine what their best set of strategies are for minimizing the cost of college so that they can say, okay, well, my, my daughter, her strength is this. But in the case of your daughter being an artist, maybe her greatest strength is her art portfolio. And she may be able to get the largest amount of money for her art portfolio where she applies at schools that they look at that to determine awards. Or maybe because she's also a high um, achieving student, they also have another layer of money for students who have higher grades because sometimes art students may not have high GPAs mm-hmm. in school. And so for her, she's looking at a school that 
has that type of awarding policy of awarding to talent and awarding to academic ability that could bring down the cost of her education significantly. Mm. Yes, we're definitely going to be in touch. Um, so your company is called You Viz Me? You Vise Me. You Vise you Me. For university, you for University, Vise Me as in advising. So you Vise Me. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. So yeah, we're, we're going to talk more after this, but <laughs> I have 10 questions that I ask of all my guests. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. <laughs> I have to be ready now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of like the gift I I say for everyone. No. <laughs> Thank you. I think. <laughs> no, they're they're fine. They're they're just they're rapid fire. They're not meant to stump the chump or anything like that. They won't embarrass you. <laughs> okay. We'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. You got to pay attention now. Okay. Who or what motivates you? My son, my six-year-old son. Mm, Okay. What demotivates you? Micromanaging. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? When I was told that it was not possible for me to go to college on a full academic scholarship. Mm. That, that, that motivated me to develop my strategy of looking for scholarships in seventh grade. Wow. What is your fear? I am afraid of not realizing my full potential. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yes. <laughs> you didn't say I had to explain that. <laughs> you didn't say I had to explain that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, can, I can elaborate. Uh, <laughs> I'll just figure that out see if I can get away with that answer. <laughs> no, not that rapid. <laughs> well, I would say yes. And I feel like um, yes. And it was in the area of love. Mm-hmm. It was in the area of love, which I would have taken a risk when it okay. came to love. Mm-hmm. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Yes. <laughs> okay, let's that I, I, same I'll thing. Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll elaborate. I mean, it worked out for my good, but I, I really wish I had not allowed what other people thought um, to... Um, not control, but to dictate um, kind of what I wanted to study in college. I was so worried about what other people thought I should become that it took me a while to do the soul searching and um, determine what I really wanted to do with my life Mm. versus what other people thought. Yeah. What is your definition of success? Great question. I don't feel like it's about money necessarily, although it can involve money. I feel like success is really um, just kind of, it's about self-actualization. It's about becoming the best version of you possible, whatever that looks like. Mm. How do you recharge? I love to walk in the park 
and I will walk for miles and miles and miles at my favorite park um, by the water. Look at the ducks. Mm. What are you awesome at? I'm very, I'm, I'm great at seeing possibilities. And so I see possibilities when it comes to business. I see possibilities when it comes to students. I see potential that they don't sometimes see in themselves. Hmm. What legacy do you want to leave? I want my son to grow up with um, knowing that there are no limits, only those that he sets and places on himself. Um, and I want to give him a head start in life so that he didn't have to, he doesn't have to struggle the way that I did in terms of how will I pay for college, that that won't be a question, that he'll know that he can go to college, that it's, there's already a plan in place for him to go to college. And he has a mom that's the bomb at being a college counselor that will pull every strategy out of the hat possible to help him to uh, find a place that's a fit for him where he can thrive and succeed and and do what's in him to do and be. Mm, Great. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. You can always do more than you think. I think a lot of times um, we sell ourselves short. Um, There's so much inside of us. and, and, And I think sometimes it's just about not quitting um, cause sometimes we're on the verge of that breakthrough of that success. Um, but we stop just short. Um, so we can do more than we think, um, in, in terms of what we're able to accomplish. Hmm. Okay. Dr. Jen, tell the listeners where they can connect with you and how, if they want to work with you one-on-one, how do they do so? I am easy to find Dr. Jen Price.com. DrJenPrice.com on social media, Dr. Jen Price, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, uh, whether it's Twitter, I am easy to find, DrJenPrice.com. <laughs> well, Dr. Jen, this has been very informative. And um, yes, like I said, I think we'll, we'll be talking more, but I really thank you for taking time out of your day to be on Trina Talk. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.